The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Our text for our sermon is the gospel of history according to Matthew as recorded in chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus continued, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from clever and learned people and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, because this was pleasing to you, everything has been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Oh, take my yoke upon you. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is used to harness an animal to a load so that they can pull it. They can pull things like wagons. This is what brought millions of people across the Oregon Trail as everything they owned was loaded into a wagon and hitched to two oxen. And of course, you yoke an animal to a plow to get them to break up that earth. Have you seen those yokes that sometimes got thrown beside the road when things went wrong? 150 years later, you can still find, although the wood is rotting, those yokes that were used to hitch those oxen to those wagons, they're heavy. They're long pieces of timber. So today we will ask the question, how can a yoke be easy? Now, as usual, I will preach on my own translation of the Greek language. It's not as smooth as our, our translation we use in our bulletin, but there's a few word pictures I want to bring out. So at verse 25, to begin answering the question, uh, we're told, within that period of time, Jesus continued by saying, I'm openly confessing to your praise, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have concealed these things from the wise and intelligent, and revealed them to those who are childlike in their understanding and evaluation. But hid them from the wise and intelligent. It amazes me how we watched in Bible study today a video where a secular scientist, who is a psychologist, could take a look at things and you could tell he was coming to an understanding that every human being has a sinful nature. But you will never find searching rocks and everything else that God himself has done all the work to save you unless you come to his word. Or God sends someone to you with his word. And who were the wise and intelligent of Jesus' day? Well, people would immediately think of somebody like the Pharisees. To the Pharisee, you were, you were saved by following the rules. So they had a list of rules. In fact, they had over 600 rules they had added to the rules they had found in the scriptures. They were wise. Why? They just knew they were saved by keeping those rules. And whenever God pointed out the problem, you can't atone for your sin. Once you've sinned, you're damned to hell because the law demands perfect obedience all the time. If you can keep the law, you're saved. The minute you break it, you're condemned to hell. You can't do extra to make up for that. So when Jesus came, they could not stand the idea of being confronted with the fact that they could not save themselves. Ah, and then there was the Sadducee. The Sadducee followed the popular science of his day, the Sadducee just knew that God couldn't do miracles. After all, that would have to be a miracle, right? 
And they denied the resurrection. They denied the existence of angels. Imagine how it must have just smacked in their face. They could come up with explanations. Oh, he didn't really heal that guy. He just thought he couldn't walk or whatever. But when Lazarus, just two miles from Jerusalem, was raised from the dead, and he'd been in that grave so long when Jesus said, opened up the tomb, his own sister said, surely not, Lord, it's going to stink. They knew his body had been decomposing. When he raised Lazarus, that's when they said, we got to kill this guy. We certainly can't have people raising the dead. That's not scientific. Isn't it amazing how we can be very intelligent and wise and totally miss the big picture? But he says, and revealed them to those who are literally, it's just a word, little children. I say childlike in their understanding and evaluation. In another place in Scripture, in Mark chapter 10, verse 15, Jesus says, Amen, I tell you, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. When I was a child, my parents told me that Jesus was my Savior, and it was that simple to me. Mom and Dad said so. Jesus is my Savior. I sang that wonderful song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. When I became an adult, I started to say, how do I know I can trust this Bible thing? As I studied for engineering, boy, did I start having to apply a lot of sciences to it. So what Jesus is saying here is faith is really a simple thing. God sends somebody to you with the good news that we, well, the bad news is we can't save ourselves. But the good news is, so God became a man. And God kept the law perfectly for you 100% of the time. God also took the punishment for your and my sins. We cannot remove sin from our record. But the life of the God-man, his blood was precious enough to wash away all my sins and all of your sins and all the world's sins. So God sends a messenger to us with that message And the Holy Spirit enters our heart through that message, and we believe. It's that simple, even with children. My parents told me Jesus was my Savior, and it was that simple. How can a yoke be easy? It's not the burden of intellectualism. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology to be saved. With a simple childlike heart, the Bible tells me Jesus is my Savior. He has saved me. Amen. There it is. Huh. You and I still have that sinful nature. We have a new man. We still have that sinful nature. And that sinful nature hates the word of God. It's one of the reasons why we have a hard time paying attention even to a sermon. You can ask those who know me. They say I became a pastor so that I could actually pay attention to the sermon. My sinful nature hates hearing the word of God. So our sinful nature whispers in our ear, well, if it's a childlike faith, then ignorance is bliss. Let's be like children in our understanding of the scripture. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, and he, there's a part where he uses the same word used in our text for a little children. He says, He himself gave the apostles as well as the prophets, as well as the evangelists, as well as the shepherds and teachers, for the purpose of training the saints for the work of serving in order to build up the body of Christ. This is to continue until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, resulting in a mature man with the stature reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ. 
The goal is that we would no longer be little children. And there it is, same word used in our text today, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching when people use tricks and invent clever ways to lead us astray. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we would in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. So while the yoke is easy because it's not the burden of intellectualism, we have to be careful because our sinful nature hates the word of God and it's lazy. It'll say, ignorance is bliss. And I'm preaching the choir because you're here hearing the word of God. But why do I need to come and hear the word of God? I don't want to hear the word of God. That's boring. I don't want to go to Bible study. Why do I need to know that? Why should I spend two minutes out of a day in a 24-hour day just refreshing my soul with a little meditation, devotion in the word of the Lord? And in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, we're told, For everyone who lives on milk is not acquainted with the word of righteousness because he's still an infant. And the word used there for infant is the same word used in our text for little child. The way it works is that God sends someone to you and I with his word, with the good news. God became a man. He did all the work to save us. And the Holy Spirit uses that message. He creates the faith. There's no secret, hidden handshake and knowledge you have to know in order to be saved. That's what makes it light. But you know what? Our sinful nature says ignorance is bliss. No, it's not a burden to come to that word. It's a joy for our new person. And when we come to that word, that word assures us of our forgiveness. It strengthens our faith and gives us the ability to apply that word and fight back when we're attacked by the smart people of this world by the devil who's behind it, and let us never forget the puppet, the devil's great puppet he uses, who's able to whisper in our ear because he's right there with us, our own sinful nature. When I was an engineering student, I began to have a struggle with the doctrine of predestination. It was complicated. I had to go to the Word. I went to Bible study. Eventually I came to realize it was my sinful nature that was making it complicated. It was pure gospel. It was comfort. God has me and he has you in his hands. When I was an engineering student, especially taking sciences and higher level math, I really began to have a problem with the Trinity, especially when I had friends who were not Christian or were in Christian-based cults tell me, you have, you worship three gods. Ugh! And suddenly ignorance is bliss is not going to work anymore because I have to be able to explain something. The Bible makes it clear we have one God in three persons, three persons in one God, not three gods. When the devil and the world attack us with those things, how can Christ's body and blood be present in the Lord's Supper when if every church that's celebrating the Lord's Supper at the same time just in America his whole entire physical body would be consumed. No doubt about it. Then we have to search the scriptures. We have to grow in those scriptures. And those scriptures actually do the work. We have to wrestle with our sinful nature to get there. And don't kid yourself. When you hear people complain and don't, you know, oh, the sermon was boring or Bible study. Why do I need to even know this? I've given those excuses myself. I wasn't always a pastor. The truth of the matter is it's their sinful nature just screaming out, I hate the word of God. But we have a new man that loves the word of God. And when it comes to that word, it is nourished and it is strengthened. 
And so we're told in verse 26, Jesus says, yes, indeed, Father, for what is pleasing in your sight took place in the way I just described. All things were handed over to me by my father, and no one fully knows the son except for the father, nor does anyone fully know the father except for the son and whosoever the son desires to reveal him. There are people who think they can be saved by ignoring the whole Jesus thing, if you will. Well, they're faithful to their religion of worshiping a tree or worshiping God the Father, but not the Son. They'll go to heaven. No, they won't. As John begins his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is John's way of saying Jesus is the spokesman for the Trinity. He's the first and foremost messenger God sends because he is God. He's the one who reveals the Father to us. Without Christ, you don't really know the Father in a way that saves you. And so, again... Uh, how can a yoke be easy? It's not the burden of intellectualism, nor is ignorance bliss. But we, after we've been brought to faith, because God sent a messenger to us to reveal himself to us, to reveal Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, we listen to Jesus' word, and Jesus works through that word. The Holy Spirit works through that word. The Father has planned it out for that word to work. And in fact, it was all God's plan, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to send someone to reveal himself to you and to give you that new person that drug your sinful nature as my new person had to do as well this morning to come and hear the word of God. Ignorance is not bliss, nor is it the burden of intellectualism, but it is as simple as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, you know that Jesus is true God who became true man and has saved you. You are eternally alive. It's that simple. Jesus continues in verse 28. Come here to me, all those who are toiling and who have been burdened with a heavy load. And I myself will cause you guys to rest. The heaviest load that we are burdened with and toil with is the fact that every day that sinful nature is there. And that means having a sinful nature, we would be damned. And so the natural religion that is built into that sinful nature is exactly what the Pharisees were teaching. I got to do something for God to get something from God. Just insert the various rules that you've got to do. But the Bible makes it clear that burden is not a burden you are to bear. God never meant for you to bear that burden. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration, tells us, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Now remember the word justified means because of Christ, it's justified never sin. So you get declared not guilty in God's courtroom. So we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. What a burden has just been taken off of your and my shoulders. You're not here because if you don't, you won't earn salvation. That burden is gone. You're here because you have been saved and your new man was more powerful than your old sinful nature, right? And that new man is what we call faith. It is not the burden of the law. It is the rest that is found in the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became a man and he did all the work to save us. His blood has washed our sins away. 
His Holy Spirit has entered our heart and created that new person that's engrafted to him. So we are saved. There is truly the answer to our question. How can a yoke be easy? In verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon yourselves and learn from me that I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your very existences. Now, a few of the words I want to focus on here when he says uh, and learn from me that I am gentle. The Greek word that is used for gentle in classical Greek was one of the words used to describe an animal that was tame. It's important for you and I to understand that about Christ, because what he's talking about here is there's a load and the load isn't our salvation. We'll get into that here in a minute. We are yoked to Christ in pulling that load. But he's not a wild stallion that's going to take off, drawing us stubborn little donkeys behind until we collapse from exhaustion, wishing he would give us a break. He's tame. He's going to keep pace with you. When he says he's humble in heart, remember, this is God who became a man talking. He doesn't come down and say, now I'm God and you better bow down and serve me and make me look good. No. He became a man to save you. He was serving you. He rose from that grave as proof that he did all the work to save you. He ascended to heaven where he is ruling from his throne, not to pat his ego, but to bring you in and keep you in that salvation. He hid his godhood as a human being so that he could save you, but still now he uses that godhood to bring you in and keep you in that salvation. So he says, you will find rest for your souls. The Greek word used for soul here, suke, it's without it, you don't, your life is, you, you're not alive. So it's, your, it's a package deal. It's not just that you're eternally alive, and that's plenty good, right? But it's the whole package deal of your life. You are God's child now and everything. You will find rest in that. And then he says in verse 30, Indeed, my yoke is user-friendly and my load is light. Now, the Greek word I translated as user-friendly, it's one for good, it fits well. Have you ever seen an animal when it's been put to a yoke that rubs on it so it gets blisters and its fur is rubbed away and it's left open and bleeding? That's not the yoke Christ gives. You may have different hardships in life than I do. They're custom fit from God. They're not meant to wear you down. He allows them for your good. And what is the load that we have to bear? We've already, in a major way, I've already mentioned this morning, did that. You and I struggle with our sinful nature not to lose the salvation he gave us. So you struggled with your sinful nature to come hear the word of God this morning. How hard was that? Oh, I could sleep in. Oh, I'd rather be doing this or that. But what a wonderful light load, because when you're there, Jesus says, let me assure you, I have forgiven you. Let me pour my blood upon you again. How beautiful that picture is. And you often hear me talk about the mysterious union of all believers, which I I always use John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do no good work. Our works aren't done to save us. Our works are done because we're saved. We want to glorify God. We want to show our neighbor God's love. And it's interesting when he talks about a burden. You know, 150 years ago, when people came to settle this area of the United States, when you read their journals, you would think they had some very, very stressful lives. Planting crops, 
And then the grasshoppers came. And they're praying, good Lord, let us have enough wheat that we can at least make the winter. When you live a hand-in-mouth existence like that, when you're a subsistence farmer, you would think that would be stressful. And that's the history of humankind. Today, we have pesticides. Today, we don't start to cook breakfast and, and have, to, have to take the wheat that we ground earlier and mix it all up and get the fire going, blah, blah. Several hours later, we're finally eating. You can throw stuff in the microwave and 45 seconds later be eating a full meal. You would think we would be the least stressed out, the least burdened today. And yet when I talk to friends that are in the medical field, they say it's amazing how our pharmacies are full of medication to help us deal with depression and anxiety. Now, if you have an issue and you need those, I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying today, while we have the best luxuries there's ever been, if you're pouring on welfare today, you live better than Caesar did because of the modern conveniences. And yet we're stressed out. Then our new man comes to hear the word, the word of God. And through that word, Jesus says, I'm ruling over all creation for you. What's the worst? You lose your job. I'll get you another one. And if the world hates you for sharing the good news of salvation in me, the worst they can do is take your life. And if I won't let them, they're not going to be able to do that. Jesus says to you, But he also says, but if I do allow them to take your life, it means you're coming to heaven with me. You'll be perfectly happy how it turned out. And I'll return and you'll return with me then and be given a glorified body and the new heavens and the new earth. All that a gift from Jesus. It takes away the burdens and the stress of this life. What if I lose my job? What if I lose my health insurance? Jesus says, I'm ruling over creation for you. And the proof is he already died and rose for you. How can a yoke be made easy? It's not the burden of intellectualism nor ignorance. It's a very simple message. Jesus Christ, true God, became true man and has saved you. And so it's not the burden of keeping the law and all the guilt that comes with it. It's the good news that Jesus Christ became a man and did all the work to save you. And he has washed your sins away. And you are now united to him so that your new man glorifies him by bringing you to be nourished in that word. Amen. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Amen.